Thank you, maybe seated. And uh, I was really worried that they had a video of that rap, honestly. Like, oh, this is not going to be good. How many of you like me to rap for you this morning? Too bad. My wife said no, so thank you. In case you don't know, my name is John, and I am blessed to serve as a pastor here at Hallmark. And I just want to say thank you for, for being here. And also, if I have not had a chance to meet you, my wife, Joy, and I will, will be in the foyer, and we would love to just introduce ourselves to you, get to know a little bit about you. We have a gift for you even today. If you just stop by and, and uh, let us know you're here, we'd love to just take a second and, and get to know you. Um, I'm going to invite you to find your way to Psalm chapter number Nine. Psalm 9, some of you may have a printed Bible, some of you might have an iPad or a tablet or your phone. If you are on uh, some form of a digital device and you have the YouVersion Bible app, I'd encourage you to look under events and you can find Hallmark on there. All the notes from today are they're uploaded there on YouVersion Bible app every Sunday. And so if you want to follow along that way, uh, you're welcome uh, to do so. Now, we're in a series, as you can see here on the screen, Summer Playlist, and we're walking through 10, the first 10 books of the book of Psalms, the first 10 chapters. And Psalms is a collection of 150 like poems and or psalms. Many of them were written to be actually sung in corporate worship. Psalm 9 is one of those. And Psalm 9 and 10, uh, many scholars believe, were originally one Psalm that have been divided into two, so nine and ten. And, and I don't know about your the particular text you have, but my Bible, this is the title that it gives Psalm chapter nine. It says, Prayer and Thanksgiving for the Lord's righteous judgments. Then also it says to the chief musician, to the tune, and I don't know about the tune here, but it says to the tune of death of the sun. You got, does, you, does anyone else say that, something similar, if you have a study Bible? And then it says a psalm of David. And there's a little bit of discussion on what that phrase means, death of the sun. Some say it's like an instrument. I'm not sure what kind of instrument that would be. I don't know that I want to know what kind of instrument that. Some say it's just a tune that would have been known by the original readers. And then some say that this is a picture or um, an understanding that David wrote this psalm specifically with the defeat of Goliath in mind. That possibly this psalm, uh, especially the first part of this, this chapter, this psalm chapter nine, is an, a, a praise of the Lord for defeating Goliath through David. Of course, the chief musician could mean that just it was like, if I were writing a poem today for the chief musician of Hallmark, it would be written to Stefan. Like there's the chief musician known Haman or uh, Asaph. Some think that chief musician maybe means God himself. This is no one really knows. They're just kind of giving you some basic understanding of this, the book of Psalms here and in, specifically in chapter nine because there's several in a row that say the same thing, like written to the chief musician, a Psalm of David. Now, as we walk through this this morning, I, I wanna first start by just, let's, let's take time to read the entire chapter. And because it's kind of this lengthy chapter and I have this feeling that you may get tired and sleepy, I'm gonna ask you to stand. Would you stand with me? All right. We'll also do it in honor of reading God's word, all right? Psalm chapter nine. 
It says, again, to the chief musician, to the tune of death of the son, a psalm of David. Verse number one, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of your marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O most high. Interesting, as last week we went through some of the names of God, this is the word El Elyon, which we looked at last week. First mentioned by King Melchizedek in Genesis chapter 14, O most high. Verse three, when my enemies turn back, they shall fall and perish at your presence. For you have maintained my right and my cause. You sat on the throne judging in righteousness. You have rebuked the nations. You have destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. O enemy, destructions are finished forever, and you have destroyed cities. Even their memory has perished. Verse seven, but the Lord shall endure forever. Can I say that again? But the Lord shall endure forever. He has prepared his throne for judgment. He shall judge the world in righteousness. He shall administer judgment for the people in uprightness. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in time of trouble. And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Sing praises to the Lord who dwells in Zion. Declare his deeds among the people. When he avenges blood, he remembers them. He does not forget the cry of the humble. Have mercy on me, O Lord. Consider my trouble from those who hate me, those who lift me up from the gates of death, that I may dwell of, that I may tell of all your praises in the gates of of the daughter of Zion, I will rejoice in your salvation. The nations have sunk down in the pit which they made and the net which they had hid. Their own foot is caught. The Lord is known by the judgment he executes. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. Meditation, Selah. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God for, they, for the needy shall not always be forgotten. The expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, do not let man prevail. Let the nations be judged in your sight. Put them in fear, O Lord, to the nations, that the nations may know themselves to be but men. Selah. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for the opportunity we have this morning to open up your word, to hear from you, to be reminded that it is honoring, it is right, and it is a privilege to praise the name of our Savior. I pray this morning as we walk through this text that you would speak into us, that you would encourage us, that you would challenge us, that you would convict us, Lord, that we would be willing to respond when we hear from you. It's in the powerful and the precious name of Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, thank you, you may be seated this morning. And as you're being seated, God is good and all the time. And that's really what this psalm is about. It's about praising God. I, I think that the, really the summary of it for me is just simple. It's about praising God. And I have a simple question for you this morning. Is God worthy of your praise? You sound pretty convinced. Is God worthy of your praise? But what does praise mean? The simple definition of praise is, is pretty simple. It's the expression of approval or admiration for someone or something. It's the expression, right, to say it, to uh, identify it, 
to express it maybe through actions, through words, through song. We worship God in a lot of ways on a Sunday morning, right? We worship God through fellowship with one another. We worship God by praising him for the donuts this morning, amen? We worship God through singing and through giving and through reading and the teaching of his word through prayer. It's an expression of adoration or approval. Now, as I was studying this week, I read quite a few different commentaries. I also have kind of this somewhat new habit when I know exactly what text we're gonna be in, like Psalms number nine, that I will throughout the week listen to about six different sermons while I'm working out on YouTube. And I usually just get on YouTube and I Google, you know, I just search Psalm nine sermon. And then whatever shows up, oh, that guy looks interesting, maybe. And I'll just listen to a message. Sometimes I agree with them and sometimes I do not. But I always learn something. And so as I was listening, as I was studying this week, I came across this statement. It's simple. The world rings with praise. Now, out of context, the, you know, as you look up on the screen, I, would, I don't have time to ask every one of you, but it'd be interesting to, to know what, what you're thinking. Because without context, I'm not sure, I'd be scared actually to ask some of you what you're thinking. The world rings with praise. Of course, as I listened and read this statement, I had the context, but let me, let me share with you another quote. That this, this quote, the world rings with praise, is from C.S. Lewis. But there's another guy named Jason Meyer who wrote about this statement, the world rings with praise. Maybe it'll bring a little more context for you this morning. He says this, the most obvious fact about praise, right, approval or admiration expressed to someone, the most obvious fact about praise, whether of God or anything, strangely escaped me, he said. I thought of it in terms of compliment, approval, a giving of honor. And here's the last statement here. I had never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. Let's think about the statement as, as we said, the world rings with praise. Now let's put that in the context of this last statement. All enjoyment Everything we get joy out of, everything we enjoy, everything that we have fun doing, everything that brings a smile to our face, spontaneously overflows into praise. Okay? Still see some blank stares out there. That's okay. How many of you are a little lost? Just admit it. Okay? It's okay. I'm a little lost myself. So let me, let me see if I can illustrate it for you. So a few years ago, uh, some of you guys know who Bruce O'Neill is, and Bruce... Um, if, he, if he tries to ask you to do something, say no, okay? But Bruce, a few years ago, came to me. This was like the year after we, you know, we did the, the hike through the Jean Muir Trail. Um, and he said, hey, I got an idea. If he says that to you, just run, okay? He said, I got an idea. He said, we're, we're gonna do a fundraiser for Manna. So if you don't know Bruce, Bruce is the CEO, president CEO of Mana Worldwide, and their offices are right over here in the parking lot, and they do great work, and our church is, is thankful to partner with them. They have feeding centers in like 40 different countries, over 200 different feeding centers, nutrition centers, orphanages. Anyways, he comes to me and says, I got an idea. I want to raise some money for Mana Worldwide. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, 
Sure, what do, you want, what, do you, what do you want me to do? He said, we're gonna ride 500 miles on a bicycle through the New England states in a couple months. It's like, well, that'd be great, I'll pray for you. And he said, no, 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 I want you to ride the 500 miles with us. I said, Bruce, I haven't ridden a bike since I was in middle school. He said, I don't care, you can do it. I said, well, I don't have a bike. Well, you can borrow mine. He's like, oh, thanks. So I said, well, let me, let me ride it a few times. We'll see. This is not Bruce's bike, by the way. So I get, I know nothing about, you know, bicycle riding. And so I get his bike. I go out on the Trinity Trail and I'm like, I don't know, you know, 500 miles in, in like seven days. We're going to average like 80 miles, I guess, a day or something like that. I mean, I guess that's not hard. I don't know. <clears throat> it was harder than I thought, by the way. And the most important thing is what sits here. Wow. Well, let's not talk about that. Uh, <laughs> took a dark turn. Um, anyways, I don't know what to do. So I ride his bike and I've never done it before. So I don't know what's supposed to hurt or what's not supposed to hurt. Like, listen, if you guys ever stretch yourself physically, something's going to hurt. And so you just know, okay, if I, if, if I walk up a mountain you know, at 14,000 feet, it's going to hurt. Like people always ask, you know, when you hike a 14er, is it easy? No, it's never easy. It's just going to hurt, right? So when you push yourself physically, you know something's going to hurt. So I'm riding his bike and my shoulders are, are killing me. My neck is killing me, right? I, I rode like 30 miles, get home. I'm stupid. Why did I tell Bruce? Yes. And so I start thinking, maybe this bike's not good for me. Because Bruce is short. And so if you know much about Mike, this is like a size 58 frame built for somebody my size, right? Carlos gets it. And then Bruce's bike is a 54 frame for short people. And so all the tension and all the weight of what was supposed to be somewhere else was right here. So I go to the bike shop and I'm like, hey, can you do anything? This bike stinks, you know? Bruce, this old man gave me this bike. Anyways, He's like, no, I can't do nothing for you. It's, it's a problem. So I've already committed. I'm going to ride 500 miles. I get this stupid bike for a short person and it's killing my shoulders. So what's going to happen? What am I going to do? And like the day, so I call a friend. Hey, can I borrow a bike? Sure. Hence, this is the bike I was going to borrow. The day before we ride, it was broken down. Finally get it fixed. And then the guy says, I got bad news. I can't let you borrow the bike. Like I'm, f I'm flying to Boston tomorrow. We got to ride this thing. He said, no, I'm going to give it to you. Like, wow, thank you. You know how much this bike cost? 2,500 bucks. It's a lot of money. Anybody want to buy it today for three grand? I'll sell it to you cheap. Good price. Good price for you. I asked if I should ride this around the sanctuary. How many think I should ride this around the sanctuary? Vote again. How many think I should ride around the sanctuary? More than I, th I think you guys want me to fall. I actually asked my wife for permission to ride it around the sanctuary. And you know what she said? No, she said yes. I just decided I, I, I honestly, I've only ridden it once this year. It's kind of, I'm scared. Without fail, 
when I've told someone that story about the bike, and I say, isn't that awesome? You know what their reply is? Yeah, that's awesome. Somebody gave you a $2,500 bike? That's great. Did you guys have the similar response? How many of you wish your friend would give you a $2,500 bike, right? Then you'd have to ride it 500 miles, all right? So let's think about this statement. All enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. The world rings with praise. The reality is this morning, this entire week, you were a worshiper. You see, readers praise their favorite poet. Walkers praise the countryside. Fans praise the cowboys. Crazy fans praise the eagles. (laughs) Insane fans praise the jets. Look, this week we haven't, but we praise the weather. We praise food, actors, cars, horses, colleges, countries, children, dogs, flowers, mountains, rare stamps, rare beetles, and sometimes politicians. Not recently, but maybe in the past. The world rings with praise. Here's another interesting part of that quote. Spontaneous praise also urges others to join in on that spontaneous praise. It's natural for me to say, man, isn't that bike great? And you would respond, yeah, that's, that's awesome. And you join me in the praise of either the bike itself, the fact that somebody gave me the gift, the fact that I was stupid enough to say I'm gonna ride 500 miles. By the way, on that ride, I got bit by a black widow and it made me really sick. Thanks, Bruce, by the way. So let me, let me give you two more quotes before we kind of unpack this text. Men spontaneously praise whatever they value. So you have been a worshiper all week of someone or something. And it doesn't mean you couldn't have multiple things that you worshiped, Right? We are healthiest spiritually when we supremely value the supremely valuable. When we understand the goodness of God, the firm foundation, that he will never fail, shouldn't we spontaneously offer praise to our our Savior? And shouldn't we also spontaneously encourage others to join in the praise of our good, good father? Yeah. And that's what David is talking about in Psalm chapter number nine. Like I said, I've, I've, I've seen a hundred outlines, it seems like, of Psalm chapter nine and a lot of different ways to diagram it. I'm gonna give you a simple one. It's very simple, I know, because I came up with it, okay? And there's so much in this Psalm that we could spend quite a while going, but, but let me give you, I'm gonna put the first the whole outline up on, on the screen at one time, and then we're gonna walk through it. Number one, praise the Lord for past protection. Has God provided for you in the past? Yes or no? Have you given him praise for that? Hopefully. Number two, praise the Lord for future protection. Do you believe that God is gonna protect you in the future? 
So we can praise him for that, even if he hasn't done it yet. Number three, pray to the Lord for continued protection. So we praise him. And, and honestly, after I sent the notes in, I thought, well, we could ask past and present. But we're going to just kind of do that together, right? So past and even present protection. We're going to praise the Lord for future protection. And we're going to continue to pray the Lord that he would continue to protect us. And that's what this psalm to me is about. And this is a simple outline of this psalm. So let's, let's kind of walk back through it. Number three, verses three through eight, really talk about David praising the Lord for past protection. When my enemies turn back, they shall fall and perish at your presence. Look at verse four. You have maintained my right and my cause. You sat on the throne judging in righteousness. You have rebuked the nations. You have destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their sin and their name forever and ever. Oh, enemy, destructions are finished forever. And you have destroyed cities. Even their memory has perished. And, and again, some scholars would say David is referencing when he defeated Goliath and just praising God that don't you know that as David got older, when, when problems happened, if you know the story of David, he had a lot of problems and some of his problems were caused because of his sin and there were consequences of his sin. But even in the midst of his problems, don't you know that David would go back to remember when he was just a shepherd boy and God allowed him to defeat Goliath. And that seems to me be, to be very understandable of what David is doing right now, that he is looking back and saying, God, I praise you for your protection. God, you have been good to me. You've been faithful to me. Now, I believe as you read through this, some of it seems like it's past, some of it seems like it's present, some of it seems like it's future. When we think about the victory that God gave David, I think he's specifically referencing that specific battle. But I also believe that David is speaking prophetically here as well. That David is also speaking that in future, God will one day set all things straight. One day, God will defeat Satan and all of his demons. One day, God will make a new heaven and a new earth. There will be no more sin. There will be no more crime. There will be no more shame. There will be no more pain. There will be no more tears. Aren't you looking forward to that day? And so David is saying, I'm praising God for past protection. I'm also testifying that one day God will make all things new. And we don't have time to get into all the righteous judgment of God because we said this before, God's, whatever God's holiness demanded, God's love provided. And if you wanna hear a great message on how just God is and the holiness of God and what that demands, Two weeks ago, Psalm chapter seven, Pastor Nathan preached on, is your God holy or hollow? And if you weren't here, go back and, and, and watch that on, on uh, the YouTube channel, right? The holiness of God. So David is considering present, past victories, but I think he's also prophesying of the future and final victory that we have in Christ. And in light of, what he understands of God, what is he gonna do? Well, I think it's verse one and two. I will praise you, O Lord. What does it say? With my what? Uh, it's on the screen here. I will praise you, O Lord, with my what? Think about that. We said this week, you were a worshiper of someone or something. And I'm curious, does God have your whole heart? Jesus spoke of this, right? In Matthew chapter six, seek first 
the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Like God should have priority, first place, everything. He is on the throne of my heart. He should be. Proverbs said, I will trust the Lord with my whole heart. I won't lean on my own understanding. I will acknowledge him in all my ways and he will direct my paths. Spurgeon said it this way. For God to have a half of a heart is for God to have no, none of our heart. And if God has my whole heart, the rest of verse one and two say really three things that I will do. I will praise God with my whole heart. How will I praise God with my whole heart? I will tell of his marvelous works. I will tell people what God has done in my life. Again, spontaneous worship leads us into spontaneously inviting others into that worship. How? By telling people the goodness of God. Secondly, I will be glad and rejoice in in you. You know, almost every morning I get up and I have a prayer journal and I go through the ACTS uh, acronym. ACTS, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Like I'm gonna praise God, I'm gonna confess my sins and a lot of times there's a lot of them and then I'm gonna thank God for his blessings in my life and then S, I'm going to give my supplications, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna let my request be made known unto God. Now, not every morning, but when I think of it, when I get to the, the T in the Acts, when I get to Thanksgiving, this is what I, I try to remember to pray and to write down every single morning. God, I praise you for who you are, and I thank you for all you've done. And there's two different things, right? What David here is saying is, I will be glad and rejoice in, what is the word? In you. Not in what you've done, not in all my blessings, not in my kids are good, my bills are paid. No, I will rejoice in you. That's what Shelley was speaking to this morning when she talked from Hebrews. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I will praise you because you're you. The third thing there, I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. Isn't it amazing to get together on a Sunday morning and sing praises together as a congregation? How many of you had the habit of listening to worship music in your car and just singing as loud as you can? Okay, if you don't, start it, okay? Turn off talk radio, put on the praise and worship music, praise the Lord, all right? I gotta hurry. Praise the Lord for his past protection, number two. Praise the Lord for future protection, Verse nine, the Lord also, you might circle the next two words, will be. What will he be? A refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Sing praises to the Lord who dwells in Zion. Declare his deeds among the people. When he avenges blood, he remembers them. He does not forget the cry of the humble. And David makes this statement, the Lord will be a refuge, a strong tower, a stronghold, a retreat, a defense, a high tower. Have you needed this week to be reminded that even when you're oppressed, even when life is not as you planned it, that God is your refuge? How many of you needed that this week? You, you know, just in the last couple of days, I've, I've sat with 
a family who was trying to decide whether they were going to uh, basically just turn their spouse over to, to, to palliative care. I'm not going to try to save mom anymore. We're just going to, their words, we're going to let God be God. And I've sat with a young couple who's just fighting for everything in their marriage to try to reconcile and try to honor God. And, and I sat with another lady whose dad who, they don't know if the brain bleed was caused by their fall or the brain bleeds caused the fall and there's just like this uncertainty. The guy called me yesterday afternoon. Most of you don't know this man, but he joined during COVID. And right after he joined, he got diagnosed. He's been in stage four cancer this entire time. He called me yesterday and said, well, my numbers changed significantly. He said, but you know what? I'm, I'm gonna praise God for as long as I have left. And the words, God is a refuge to the oppressed. They're weighty when you have those conversations. And I think David is reminding us, yes, God has been faithful in the past, maybe even in the present, and God will be faithful when life is difficult. Do you believe that? That's what our hope is in, isn't it? Number three, pray to the Lord for continued protection. Wouldn't it be great that we could say, well, I gave everything God. I'm gonna worship God this morning. You know, it's, what is today? August the 6th, 2023. I worship God with my whole heart. And what that means is I'm never gonna have another problem or never gonna have another issue. Satan is not gonna attack me because he knows I belong to God. Wouldn't that be awesome if that were true? Sign me up for that. But also, again, Shelley quoted already this morning, you will have trouble in this world. The rest of that verse, which she didn't quote was, but don't have fear, I have overcome the world. Which is what David is saying. Like, God gives us present victory, but don't forget that one day, God is gonna make all things new. But in the middle of his trouble, in the middle of his struggle, what, what David realizes, what David wants us to continually understand is, today may be a good day. And I'll be completely honest with you this week. Uh, my wife and I, we celebrate our 30th anniversary. As Shelley so wonderfully told everyone, I'm gonna be 50 this week. But what really what has overwhelmed me, what I've been thinking a lot about this week and what we talked about this week was, wow, God has been good to us. And when we talked about like what we're struggling with right now, and what we came to an agreement on was, wow, we don't, have, we don't have many problems. When I, when I look at other people's life, and, and can I say to you as a pastor that watching some of the struggles you go through is an encouragement to me. The way you can continue to praise the Lord, even when it seems like 
everything's hitting the fan, right? And so we just kind of rested in this week like, now I'll be honest, like I have my own worries. I mean, not, by nature, I'm not aware, but I have worries, I have fears, I have things that I wish were different. But when I look at the scope of my life, God has really been good to me. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. But I'm also aware, like David is aware, that I, I have no knowledge of what tomorrow may bring. And so David says, Lord, let's get to verse 13 again. Have mercy on me. Consider my trouble from those who hate me. You who lift up from the gates of death. And David calls on the mercy of God for protection for future enemies, for present enemies, past enemies. Why? God, why wouldn't... Why am, I re, why am I asking for your mercy? And then he says in verse 14, that I might tell of your praise. God, would you give me mercy in this situation? Because I desperately want to tell people that you rescued me, that you were my refuge, my strong tower, my healer, my provider, my protector, my king, my savior, my redeemer. And it changes our perspective, doesn't it? David prays for mercy. Can we, can we go back to these quotes? Men spontaneously praise whatever they value. So let's, let's evaluate what is valuable to you. We are healthiest spiritually when we supremely value this supremely valuable. The great question that was asked, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So come back to the question. Is God worthy of your praise? He is. I love this statement. Praise to the Lord produces proclamation of the Lord. Verse number one, David, when he's thinking back, he says, I will declare the glory of God. Verse number 11, after he talks about our problems, he says, you should declare the praises of God. Verse number 13, he says, God, have mercy on me. Verse 14, so that I can tell people of your praise. And man, I wish we had time to unpack verse number 10 and 11. Would, would you do me a favor this week and read verse 10 and 11 over and over and over and over again? Let, let's read verse 9, 10, and 11. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Those who know your name will put trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Sing praises to the Lord who dwells in Zion. Declare his deeds among the people. You see, if you know God, you trust God. And if you trust God, you will seek God. And when we know, trust, and see God, what is the promise? He will never forsake you. God is good. And all the time.
I'm gonna invite the, the worship team to come this morning. And, and as they do, I, I wanna just ask you a question this morning. You don't have to close your eyes yet. You guys have been trained, right? As soon as I call them up, everybody close their eyes. That's good, that's okay. I'm just telling you, you don't have to yet. You can, I mean, do what you want. But I wanna ask this morning, because the ad- admonition from David is that I'm gonna, I'm gonna praise you after the storm, which is the easiest time. I'm gonna praise you in the middle of the storm and I'm gonna praise you before the next storm. And I wanna just ask this, this morning, if anyone would like to declare the praises of God and say, you know what? God has answered prayer on my behalf this week. Would you just stand? If God has answered a prayer request for you, God has worked on your behalf this week, would you just stand? And in a way of standing, you're saying, I'm declaring the praises of God because God is good and all the time. Let me pray for you that are standing. God, you are good. You are faithful. Lord, you do hear. You do answer. Lord, if we know your name, we will trust you. And if we trust you, we will seek you. And if we seek you, you have promised you will never forsake us. So Lord, as these that are standing, it's a public proclamation of the goodness of God that you have answered behalf of them. And we thank you, we praise you. Help us to declare the praises of God. All right, you may be seated. Now I wanna ask, maybe this one might be a little more difficult. How many of you would say, John, right now, I'm in the middle of a bit, whatever it is, the storm, the battle, the pain, the crying out to God. I'm desperate, I'm oppressed. I, I'm desperately in need for God to answer prayer. But in the middle of that storm, I still want to stand and say, I declare the goodness of God. If you're in the middle of a storm right now, but you still want to give praise to God, would you just stand right where you're at? You're in the middle of it. We don't have to understand what it is. We just know as we look around the room, the people who are standing right now are in the middle. The words that David would have used, the oppressed. That, that Satan, as the New Testament describes, is seeking to devour. He came to seek still kill and destroy but Jesus came to give life and to give it more abundantly and so these these people right now are declaring that even in the midst of my storm God is good and God is faithful and I want to praise him can I pray for you Lord there's a lot of a lot of people standing as I look around the room, Lord, I, I know some of the storms, but I don't know all of them. I, I lean into you, Lord, knowing that you do. I lean into the words of David that you will be a strong tower, you will be a fortress, a, a refuge, a shelter, a peace, that you are working, that you see them, that you know them, that you love them. Lord, I'm thankful that even in the midst of their storm, that they can stand and say, I will sing praises to God. 
But Lord, I also come before you and I, I ask God that you would work on their behalf, that you would answer prayer, that you would bring healing, restoration, reconciliation, whatever the need is, that you would, that you would work. As David prayed, Lord, that you would provide mercy so that they could continue to declare the goodness of God. Lord, we trust that you are God and that you are good. Could we all stand together? And can we close out the service today just declaring the praises of God and the goodness of God? And you know, if you wanna, if you need to come forward and pray, the altar's open. I'm gonna be right there. If you need to pray with me, I'll be glad to do that. But let's just sing of the goodness of God today as a church.